We're talking basic income. And I know, I know the knee-jerk reaction is, how is this going to work? This could never work. I don't want tax reform. I don't want to have to make any changes to what I'm paying. People don't deserve it. I know. But let's just have a full discussion about what this could look like and maybe where some of the flaws are that could be addressed to make it work. Our guest is associate professor at University of Calgary's Department of Economics and recently helped co-author Basic Income and Adjust Society, Policy Choices for Canada's Social Safety Net for the Institute for Research on Public Policy. What a title. Dr. Lindsay Teds is joining the show. Dr. Teds, thanks so much for your time. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. Such an important conversation. Well, it's become something that I think people are kind of wrapping their heads around and certainly have been for a little while now, ever since really the pandemic. I mean, this isn't a brand new idea, but it really took hold, I think, in mainstream conversation during COVID-19 when we were thinking about some sort of solution to create a better way. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, conversations about a basic income have been going on for hundreds of years, actually, Mm -hmm. if not more. Um, But yes, they did ramp up during um, the pandemic because, you know, we did have that uh, emergency serve benefit and people suggested that that could be expanded into a basic income. But it's not that simple because if you remember, the serve was actually given to people who had workforce attachment. And those are sort of um, aspects of a basic income that don't normally apply. So it's not as simple as to say, take the CERB and make it a basic income because (laughs) the CERB was never a basic income. I want to clarify what we're talking about when we are talking about basic income. Are we talking about a basic income for people that fall below a certain um, poverty line or a certain income level? Or are we talking about the same amount of money for everybody across the board? And that is an excellent question because there are as many different variants of a basic income as there are any kind of cash transfer system. Is it a universal benefit? Will it be income tested? Um, For the most part in Canada, basic income advocates um, fall more on the spectrum of it being an income tested benefit. Um, which as soon as you do that, you bring in all of the complexities of designing cash transfer systems that we have uh, already in our system. I mean, think of, you know, income assistance versus the Canada Child Benefit. There's no panacea here. Uh, as soon as you have to start reporting on conditions like how much money you're earning every month. In the article that you've written for the Globe and Mail, you co-wrote the article, and you really talk about how it's it's very complicated. It would be a very complex way to to introduce this, but with with some attention on the social supports that exist right now and how this would play into what exists currently for people that are unable to work, people with disabilities, and and so on. Can you touch on that a bit? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think it's important to understand um, right now between the federal government and the provinces, there are around 200 different programs that exist to help people in times of need. So by no means is the existing system perfect. In fact, it needs radical reformation. But a lot of the basic income advocates say, well, let's keep that whole system in place and then layer on a basic income on top of that. Hmm. The problem with doing that is you're, you actually bring in not only immense amount of complexity, but you have interactions between all of those programs and a basic income that lead to 
um, more than a small number of people actually being worse off. So it's really complicated. Um, and you really have to pay attention to all of these issues and understand that there are people with different needs. Um, there are workers who need support. There are people with disabilities who face barriers to work. Um, and so there is no one-size-fits-all program here. We have to really understand the reason why our system is so complex is because people are complex, and they have different needs, and we need a, a full suite of programs to best support them when they need that support. Dr. Ted, as we're having this conversation, our listeners can weigh in real time and text in their reactions to this conversation. And I know basic income is one that it's a hot button issue right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone bringing up, you know, why is this different than EI? Can you explain that? So, you know, employment insurance is a it's an insurance program, right? So it's attached to a worker, your work, the worker and employers pay into the EI system and then benefits are attached to that workforce attachment, right? So you're you're paying into an insurance system. So when there is an employment shock, you can then tap into into those um, into a system that you've paid into. A basic income is, uh, well, again, it depends on the form because there's lots of forms of basic income. But generally, the idea is that it shouldn't be conditioned on work, but that it should be scaled back as income is earned from other activities. I think that's where, you know, one of the biggest issues when it comes to stigma um, about this concept really comes from is that people think, well, you know, at least with an employment benefit or employment insurance, you you put in those hours. And so that's sort of a safety net to get you, you know, from maybe one job to the next or, you know, or, or sort of ride the wave of, of unemployment until you find something else. But I, I think there's this idea and this concern that a basic income is just going to cater to people who don't want to work and it's going to pander to... <laughs> Laziness. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I disagree that, with that. <laughs> that 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 narrative is highly problematic. And in fact, if you actually look at the data on income assistance programs um, um, in the provinces and the territories, what you actually see is almost no evidence of that sort of stereotypical idea of somebody um, who's in need. As I said, people are complex and they face very, very complex challenges. Most of our income assistance system um, beneficiaries are actually people with some form of disability, uh, whether that be multiple barriers, um, including homelessness, uh, addictions, as well as physical, mental um, disabilities. So it's not as simple as saying that our system supports laziness. I, I, I take great offense to that because we have a lot of complex challenges in our society and we should be there to support people. Mm. Um, there, nobody should be living in poverty or in homelessness. And we have the tools to address that. But that doesn't necessarily mean the basic income is the way to the best way to do it, because there are a multitude of other inter- interventions that need to exist in order to ensure that, again, people with complex needs have those needs addressed through a variety of different um, tools and services. 
I, I'm glad to hear you explain it like that. And I think that it's it's offering one solution to, I think, a very complicated problem. And, you know, just like you said, that people really shouldn't be living in poverty. I completely agree. I mean, I think in 2023, we shouldn't be seeing people that are they're sleeping outside on the sidewalk. And this is one way of addressing that and could potentially be less expensive than the way that we handle certain situations right now by throwing a lot of taxpayer dollars into, you know, sort of halfway measures. In in that conversation alone, when we're talking about homelessness, I feel like we're doing that all the time. This could actually be more cost effective as a society, couldn't it? Well, uh, again, it depends, right? right? I mean, you you know, we have to think about, you know, the economy that we live in has multiple failures to it, right? And so to think that just giving people cash to then navigate the system on their own is going to address all of those failures is, um, you know, it's naive. Mm-hmm. And affordable housing is a big one of that, okay? So, you know, we've already experimented with the demand side measures, give people money, then they'll be able to get into homes. That's not true. And that is because the housing market has completely failed us in terms of being able to provide everybody uh, and a, a high quality, affordable home. And so there's an example of where building um, housing uh, is a better response to a dealing with affordable housing mm. than simply giving cash and wiping your hands of it because it won't address the problem. And we know that we see it all around us. Okay, Dr. Ted's uh, going to take a short break because there's still so much to talk about when we're discussing basic income. So just bear with me. We're going to come back in about three minutes and talk more about how this could work, if it can work here in our society. Dr. Lindsay Ted's is an associate professor at the University of Calgary's Department of Economics. Basic income. Can it work? We'll continue in three minutes. Hey, welcome back. It's Chelsea on Ched talking about basic income. Our guest is an associate professor at University of Calgary's Department of Economics, Dr. Lindsay Teds. Dr. Teds, in, in a perfect world, as you can imagine it, how would a basic income really work or can it? Well, uh, you know, it, there is no perfect world and I have to work in the world <laughs> uh, that exists. And, and one of the things, when we started our work, Um, was actually when the Ontario government suddenly cancelled the basic income pilot that existed in that province. And that was a a period of volatility and uncertainty that actually very much influenced us because if you don't have programs that will survive changes in government, then you don't have a robust social safety net. So we have to make sure that everything we do is acceptable to not only the people who need these um, these supports, but also are supported by the community and are supported by parties that are going to get into power. Because the last thing you ever want is to have the rug pulled out from, from people, having them make decisions based off of having um, a program in place and and then seeing that pulled out from underneath them. I mean, it was quite devastating. So I think one of the things that often doesn't filter into this conversation is that political stability. Mm. And we definitely know that there are parties who would dismantle the basic income if it was in place. So we, we absolutely have to think about that reality. I realize that's frustrating for advocates, but as somebody who works in public policy, that stability is so important. If 
if a, a basic income were the only support system that we had, though, would that make it a little bit more secure? Someone on the text line right now is talking about it's a long text, so I won't read the entire thing, but mentioning how <laughs> an accountant friend of theirs uh, calculated that if we got rid of all of the other uh, support programs like CPP, old age pension, welfare, et cetera, and gave everyone a, a rough UBI of $2,000 per month, um, it, it could work out in our favor. What do you think about creating that as the only program that exists? But it, 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 it's a simple solution to a complex problem. Right. <laughs> and that simple solution is actually going to, that it, it, it doesn't reflect the reality and need across diverse and different people. Think, for example, of a, a $2,000 basic income in Nunavut, which accounts for $24,000, when actually the, the, the poverty level of income needed in Nunavut is more like sixty or 70000 right? Mm. So there is, there, you, there is no one-size-fits-all program. Um, that There are people with different needs. Think people with disabilities, for example, have much higher expenses than other people. So again, a flat amount doesn't do it. And then you're getting rid, when you get rid of these programs, you're also getting rid of underlying um, goods and services. In income assistance, for example, um, people have access to dental and health support. You get rid of that program and give them cash, they end up worse off because mm. they don't have access to these really necessary and expensive services um, that actually keep us happy, healthy, and wise. Sure. Yeah, great point. Dr. Ted's any any final thoughts that you want to share with our audience? Well, I, again, you know, when when we're thinking about these kinds of systems, we very much agree with basic income advocates that the current system doesn't work. Our issue is we do not think that there is a solution to this problem. Um, we think there that it there's multiple solutions, and we really need to dig in on reforming the current system that exists and making that system work better for differing needs across Canada. Dr. Ted, thank you so much for your time and for your great perspective. Uh, really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate this conversation. Of course. Dr. Lindsay Teds is an associate professor at the University of Calgary's Department of Economics and recently helped co-author Basic Income and a Just Society, Policy Choices for Canada's Social Safety Net for the Institute for Research on Public Policy. Obviously, a lot of experience talking about basic income.